Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax. Just whatever else is going on, just let it fall by the wayside. Just be reminded that God is right there with you. You don't need to get his attention. You don't need to convince him of what your need is. He's arranged every circumstance in your life for your benefit. He loves you. You can trust him. Your spirit is already one with him. You don't have to do anything to deserve or earn his love, his his acceptance of you, his pride of you, his joy in you. You're exactly where he wants you because he's brought you to this place. His purpose is being accomplished in you. You're right on time. You haven't missed him. We're doing exactly, we're on the right path, you're on the right track. Just keep keep going. He's leading you to the answers that you're seeking. Now remember that your spirit, who your spirit is, your true nature, already has all the answers. Now one of our challenges as having relied on our soul for so long as we think that having more information makes things easier and it doesn't if you haven't learned by now living on this on this planet living in this time in this earth there are times when we go through hard things and that no matter what we do or say doesn't change that they're hard, they're difficult. Sometimes, you know, bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. And when we start to accept that the sovereignty of God, all those things happen for his purpose, his plan. And sometimes we don't know what that is. A lot of times we don't know what God's purpose and plan is. And so we just have to trust. Now our soul, your soul, has a hard time doing that. My soul has a hard time just accepting that this is all God's plan, whatever it is. Whether it's a natural disaster that they call an act of God, or whether, you know, again, bad people do bad things. Or, you know, just accidents. Sometimes it's just life and death. Why, you know, why does he allow these things? Well, I think that that presupposes that we can understand. And that presupposes that he wants to tell us. And that if we can just try hard enough, we can come up with an understanding about why he's doing things. And that that, and allowing things, and that that will make things easier. And it just doesn't. Because our soul wants to control. God made your soul want to control. That's, it's, he doesn't hold it against you that your soul wants to control. It's just counterproductive. 
because, again, your spirit has all the answers. And a lot of times the answer is because God is. You know, God described himself as I am. And we can't, so often we can't comprehend reality on his terms because we are still blinded by reality in this world. So the more we can just accept that his ways are not our ways and resist the temptation to build a doctrine, a belief system, based on the information, the limited information that we have now, and just say, thy will be done. You know, whatever you say, Lord. Now, part of that is is having the confidence that you're hearing him clearly and that you're available to be directed. Now, that doesn't mean then that everything's going to be perfect in your life. Odds are things aren't perfect in your life, whatever that means for you. For some people, you know, it would be perfect if they had three meals a day and a roof over their head. For others, it means that they have, you know, that they win the Olympic gold. That it's, that's a perfect day. So for each one of us, we each have our own idea about what would be a perfect day. But we also often tie it back to that there is a God, that he is involved in whatever's going on here on, on this world. And that if we pray the right way, if we sacrifice the right way, if, we, if we're a good person, then, you know, and we'll be, you know, so-called in the, in the center of his will, then good things will happen. You know, you think about the Olympics, and you think about, you know, people both vying, you know, they're all vying for the gold and the, and the silver and the, you know, bronze medals and competing against one another, competing against themselves, competing against previous winners. They know what's at stake to be number one, and they've been training for it their whole lives. And that, yet what it all comes down to is what if there's somebody on the scene who's so far better than anybody else and you've done the best you can and you still come up short? We, we look for somebody to blame. We, look, we blame our coach. We blame the timing. We blame God rather than just being able to accept this, this didn't work out for me because we so often have built our identity, our belief system, around around what we believe, around an idea, a concept. You know, uh, Tiger Woods being the greatest golfer of all time. You know, horse racing, the, the, the greatest, you know, Secretariat was the greatest horse of his generation, of his, of that year. And yet the second greatest, Sham, he... If, if Secretariat wasn't around, his time that he raced, he would have been a Triple Crown winner. It was just his mis- misfortune to have been born the same year as not just a great horse, but a spectacular horse. But you can't go back and say, well, that makes Shem, uh, the other horse, a second-class horse. No, it was just his 
misfortune to be also born in that the same year as a spectacular horse. That didn't diminish the quality of horse he was, except it did in behavior, in performance. So this is why it's so important that we don't base what we see in our circumstances and say, okay, that if since bad things are happening to me, God must be displeased. I must be out of his will. I must have missed him somewhere. Or it's the devil. The devil, you know, um, I'm not covered by the blood. There's nobody praying for me. Whatever we come up with, we come up with explanations and doctrines and ideas and concepts, you know, and and the the nature of those excuses and explanations accommodate our temperament, our mind, will, and emotions. So if we're we're strong in our emotions, we will if we rely on our emotions, we believe things that make us feel good, or make us feel bad. Sometimes we we like. We, we like to wallow in being a victim, in being uh, abused, of, of being, you know, uh, on the receiving end of bad things. And we see that as ourselves. And so we wallow and we enjoy feeling miserable. You know, what's that old saying? Misery loves company. Or if we're, we're you know, strong in another area of our temperament and it's all, on, it's all based on behavior, and going back to the Olympic example that, oh, this person, you know, shouldn't have won the gold. I was better than, than them with, in every other area. I trained more than they did. You know, we, we see other examples in, in other parts of, of sports and other parts of, of uh, competition and in any different kinds of even, you know, um, chess where, you you know, you wonder why one person is better. They They may have studied it the same amount they may have you know they might be just having an off day or the other person having an on day but the whole point being that we don't want to center our identity or our reality our truth about those circumstances so the circumstances in your life do not define who you are the the, t- the things you've accomplished, the mistakes you've made, the failures, the successes, they are not who you are. Your spirit is who you are, and your spirit is one with God. And what's true of God is true of your spirit. Now, a lot of us have a real hard time with that. You know, God is perfect. God is eternal. God is you know, never never does anything wrong, is, is unchanging, you know, is, is righteous, is, is, you know, sees the end from the beginning, created the end from the beginning. He's, he's everything, you know, we want God to be. And we, we're like, well, that's not us. Well, it's not your soul, and it's not your body. But if you've been born again, that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And if you've been born again, what do you think that means? Your soul isn't born again. Your body isn't born again. 
It's your spirit. Because it's the spirit that died back in the Garden of Eden. You know, and sometimes I wonder about that translation. But in the beginning, you know, when Adam and Eve, were, you know, communed with God, they did it spirit to spirit. Their spirit was with God. They were one with him. And it was their existence. It was, it was you know, we want to say it, it was natural, but, you know, we get confused about this, this earthly natural nature. And, and words can be a hindrance. Or words can be a stumbling block. We so often get the whole concept of spiritual and supernatural mixed up. And that, that's, a, that's an important distinction. We don't want to go totally nuts about it because uh, it takes time to get it into our lexicon. But the extreme distinction between spirit and supernatural. Spirit is not created. Supernatural was created by God. Simply means above nature. Above the earth zone. Above the natural but it was created, and God was not created. And the spirit that, that is our true nature was not created. How that works, I don't know. You know, when, when Adam and Eve were separated from God, where did their spirit go? They retained the same soul. They retained the same body. Where did that spirit go? Did God kind of take... Adam's spirit and put it in the closet and Eve's spirit and put it in a different closet within himself? Maybe on a different planet, maybe a different dimension. And then when Jesus was, you know, his, his sins have redeemed, his, his uh, blood has redeemed all sin, including Adam and Eve. So at some point in time, and time is, is a river, it's, it's fluid, at some point in time, it bends and stretches and gets longer and shorter. God has complete control over that, and so does time. Time has an effect, as gravity does, on, on time. When we, when we have a perception of you know, redeeming the time, when we start thinking about, okay, different levels of time, different expressions of time, you know, we, we have a hard time measuring time, and yet we so often live our lives by time, by the passage of time, by remembering time, by the, time, the effect time has on us. That's what I mean by how time affects time. It's, it's all perception. It's not, is it reality? Well, we're experiencing it, so it is, but it's created. has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And this comes back to when we, when, if we thought that we had all the information, God said, you've got everything you need. You don't need me anymore. Because, because whether it's because he wrote it down in a book or he put it in our genetics or 
it's written on a you know a tablet if if God gave us all the information we needed for life and godliness already, and I don't mean within our spirit but externally, like again in a book in a song in in our feelings uh in our genetic memory, he could just walk away and find something else to do with his time because we wouldn't need him. But we, we, you know, we can look around and we can go, okay, if, if this is Christianity, it has, if this is relationship with God, if what, when we look around and we see what's, what people, even so-called good Christians, have done with what they believe to be true, most of it falls far short of the love, the love of God, the giving nature of God the forgiving nature of God. And we even look at what Jesus did. You know, uh, if you know, if you if you were Jesus, would you have done something different than he did? Would you have gone ahead, you know, let's wipe out all the slavers, let's feed everybody, let's take care of all the problems on the earth right now. And that way I don't have to die on the cross. But that wouldn't have have solved the problem. Because the problem is not about the circumstances. The problem is not natural, and it's not supernatural. It's spiritual. There are only two kinds of people in the world. Those who are alive in their spirit, and those who are dead in their spirit. And once you're alive in your spirit, that's it. You're in Christ. And he's in you. You're one with him. But if you're dead in your spirit, the only way you can have relationship with God is if he reveals himself to you. Otherwise, it's through your soul. It's a soulical relationship. And you you don't need to know him as your savior. You don't need to know him at all. You don't need to have, you know, you won't be changed just by understanding him just by knowing him. You know, I've been involved in, in you know, quite a few different ministries, and it always amazes me to hear about, oh, a pastor or a minister or, a, you know, an itinerant minister or a Bible study leader, you know, women's ministry, uh, children's ministry, whatever, that's been doing it for 40 years, and all of a sudden they came, you know, came to find out that they just became a Christian. They just met Jesus after 40 years of of being in ministry. Now, does that mean that what they were doing was fruitless? Absolutely not. Because God doesn't need us to reveal himself to whoever he wants. There's... you know, it could go through sometime some of the experiences where I've just been kind of flabbergasted. And sometimes there have been other people where we're just flabbergasted that of how God just takes things out of thin air and, and answers people's need. You know, it's like throwing, uh, you know, bread into the air and it, and it, Turn, it turn, comes down as a key that unlocks somebody's heart 
And all of a sudden, you can say, I just threw a piece of bread in the air. And they say, no, you just gave me the answer that I was looking for, and now I know God. Because God turns the words in the air. He turns the water to wine. He, he answers and fills the need. Sometimes we get to, to see it and understand it. A lot of times we don't. You know, and, and, you know, over time we'll get into the purpose, why God uses dreams and visions and prophecy. It's to bypass our intellect, to, to bypass our soul, our, our need for control, our need for understanding. And, you know, we do the same thing. How many books are out there about dream interpretation? Now, if the Bible was clear about how to interpret dreams, if God wanted us to learn learn how to do that, how many books would we need? You'd only need one book because it would be so clear because that's the way God wants it. He wants he wants us to be able to interpret dream dreams. So let's he's just going to make it real easy if that's what he wanted. But I don't think that's what he wants. I don't think he wants us depending on anything but spirit. And so he gives us dreams that are uninterpretable. Dreams that and visions and revelations and questions that raise more questions rather than giving me answers. You know, I think it was the, the book of Habakkuk. I just, you know, love where, you know, he's asking God, why do you let, you know, the the evil men prosper and evil fall on good people? You know, why is there no justice? On the world, in the world, and wise counselors come to him and try to explain it. And God finally says, "Enough of this." You know, I'm, I can speak for myself. And it basically came down to, I do this because this is what I want to do. I'm the God. I don't. I'm not going to explain to you what I'm doing. I'm the God. And part of our our need for control in our soul, again, it's a God-given need for control, is to just accept that just because we have a need for control doesn't mean we're going to get it. Doesn't mean we're going to get control. It doesn't mean we're going to have our life under control. Doesn't mean we're going to have other people control under control. Doesn't mean we're going to have an understanding it doesn't mean we're going to get what we want. You know, even even the scriptures about, you know, that God gives us the desires of our heart. We we've so misinterpreted that. It's not about, you know, if when we desire it, we pray for it, we do this, that, and the other thing that God gives us the desires of our heart. No, he gives us he just says he gives us the desire. He gives us desire and he draws us by his goodness, in the direction he wants us to go. 
And it's an interesting thing about control. We think we want it. And yet, then when we're given it, we run the other way. We want God to do it for us. We want to wait till we die and go to heaven. Rather than picking up our, you know, look, our, look up to the Lord, looking into him and saying, okay, God, what am I learning here? What am I supposed to be learning here? Think about when, when Jesus was walking around with not just his disciples, but the multitudes of people who followed him. Why were they following him? They wanted something from him. And then the closer you got to him, the more time they, they, they had to see Jesus, to see how he operated, to see how he thought. They, they, could, they saw his heart. They saw his mind. They saw the Father in him. And their expectations of who he was and who they were changed. And what they expected of him in, came, changed from, altered from expecting Jesus as the Savior to overthrow Rome and be seated on the throne of the world. It, it went from there to just, you know, being able to listen to his heartbeat. John just putting his, his ear up to his chest to hear his heartbeat, just wanting to be so close to him. And asking the right questions. Show us the Father. And yet, what was Jesus doing while they were all together? Teaching them, this is what it looks like. This is how your soul functions as it's connected to your spirit. Now, Jesus had his purpose. He accomplished his purpose. And the more we can see that God himself and your spirit understands what your purpose is, is to become one spirit, soul, and body. God may or may not let anyone else know what that looks like in you. You may go through your whole entire life with nobody perceiving, nobody seeing, this is the, you know, this person is different. It doesn't matter. You could be on a deserted island and be going, okay, how, how can I be a Christian when there's nobody to minister to? You know, if the, if the goal of the gospel is to, to spread it, if God's goal here on this earth is to spread his word and to make disciples, and you're on a deserted island, you can never accomplish what you think your goal is. And yet we're all on a deserted island. We're all in relationship, and yet we're all distinct and separate. And that's God's purpose. God calls each one. He doesn't call a family unit. He doesn't call, you know, couples, you know, a husband and wife or, or kids or, or a community. He doesn't put his hand on a special group of people. He calls us as individuals. He calls us by name. And the pathway we walk is an individual pathway. Now, again, we, we are joined sometimes, you know, arm in arm with people that are annoying and 
you know, but serve God's purposes. Sometimes he joins us with people that we, you know, get along great with, and we have times of harmony. Sometimes we're walking those paths alone. Sometimes we're in a crowd. doesn't matter. The path doesn't matter. How many people are on the path doesn't matter. It's just we understand and we accept that we're on the path to accomplishing that oneness, spirit, soul, and body. And so the more we can release our own beliefs, our own doctrine, now that doesn't mean we have to deliberately reject. You know, we we, we start with the idea that we all have more doctrines than we think. You know, let me ask you, do you believe any lies? I I suspect you're probably saying, well, no, of course I don't. If it was a lie, I wouldn't believe it. But I'll bet a year from now you will have changed your mind about something or more information will have come out about something. You know, even we can talk about, about the news. You know, whatever's going on on the news, you know, a week from now you're going to find out more information about whatever's going on in the news and you're going to change your mind. You're going to change your beliefs about something you thought, about what you're thinking right now. So you will change your mind. So what you're believing now, and it's again, it's not, it's not a, to, to be a problem that it's a lie, but it's not true. Because you don't have all the facts, you don't have all the information, but you believe it. You believe that person is guilty, or you believe, you know, that this particular thing happened or didn't happen, and you don't have all the information yet. And then when you have all the information, you go, "Oh, that's not what I thought." But we don't, we don't go, we don't set out to go. This is a lie, and I'm going to believe it anyway. But the more we can understand, we're all in process. We're all on that path. And that's all we need to know right now on a moment-by-moment basis. On a day, hour-by-hour, day-by-day, we, we can use time for our benefit, redeeming it, and just accept that hour-by-hour we are being changed into his likeness because he's the one doing it. And we can hold our doctrines gently and let him change those. And he will do it by the circumstances he arranges in our lives and we don't need to feel guilty about our change. We don't need to feel guilty or shameful about mistakes we've made or uh, bad things, you know, characteristics we see in our temperament. Uh, it's all part of the process. It's all part of the plan. We just say, Lord, what do you want me to do about this? So thanks for tuning in. Continue to feel, you know, drop me a line at diane at org or, or through uh, the, uh, the blog, there's a contact uh, comment form there at uh, therainersclub.org or through Blog Talk Radio. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Tyann Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night. <laughs>